All right. I feel like we should have like some opening music. Like, do, 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 do. It's the Exorcist show. The devil's in the details. Yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Well, welcome back, everybody. We are, the, as I said, the devil's in the details. Woo-hoo! We are the Exorcist TV show fan podcast coming to you live. Well, not really live. We're we're recorded, so <laughs> coming to you. <laughs> we are today <laughs> discussing, rewatching season two, episode three, Unclean. I love I love this episode. I'm, I'm never going to not love an episode, so... <laughs> Yeah, where? What are your general thoughts? So before we jump in, what what were y'all thinking when you were watching this one? Just because I usually am the devil advocate, uh, I have mm, mixed feelings about this episode. I love most of it, and something else it leaves me with question marks and for the first time i found plot holes oh yeah i am a bit disappointed in this episode what were uh, what were the plot holes i missed it uh it's more uh i mean like our title devil is in the details it's in the details uh for example okay i have a closed mind about him because I adore him and I'm still bitter about everything. But uh, we see Bennett in Belgium and uh, he doesn't trust the mm, mouse until he sees her taking the Holy Communion. Yeah, okay, perfect. But who told Bennett that the priest in that church is not a part of the conspiracy? We saw uh cardinal guillaume to use uh, to uh bless the holy water he drank two episodes ago and we know of course nothing happened because he is not an holy man anymore so he can't he can bless everything he wants and nothing will happen so who is going to tell us that the priest in the belgium church is not part of the conspiracy that's not something that oh, Bennett that's would have. That's not something yeah. that Bennett would have done. He would have probably preferred to bless Holy Water and give it to Mouse to make sure that Mouse is uh, who she claims to be, an Ali. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that would have that would have made a lot more sense. I never even thought about that. That priest could have been giving them like a exactly. totally unholy you know, host, it doesn't... Uh... Yeah. I am yeah. not pleased with the time of this episode. The way we are introduced to Mouse is too fast, too quick. It's like they didn't know what to make of this new character. She doesn't mm. become a three-dimensional character. She just stays a bidimensional one during the arc of her story. I think they would really? have, yeah, I think they would have developed that better in season three, or at least I hope so, because for now she's, uh, she's bidimensional. That's so interesting because I really thought that she was like, I was so interested in knowing about her character more. And I thought they did a really good job of like throwing her right into it, of being this like 
kind of like force against this evil when she's, you know, crushing up the wafers and putting it on the tarts. I was like, oh, that's really badass, like really clever. And um, I didn't necessarily at that time need to know more about her, but I was hoping that they would like slowly develop it over time, which I think they did. But it is it is hard to write women. I do know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's very hard. Without making them seem seem no. too whiny or or desperate or anything like i i appreciated the way they introduced her but i see your point that it's almost like we don't we we don't know much about her and it's 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 almost too flat like she's got the knife in bennett's back right basically take the take the host but another point about mouse is that uh she she is a uh, we find out another details in uh, in this episode so spoiler alert another details we find out in this episode is that in truth exists an underground circle of exorcists who are fighting against the conspiracy and yes. uh, she is a member of this underground network of exorcists going around and fighting even if the church is trying to destroy exorcists. So uh, are you really telling me that you know about Guillaume? So you go and get rid of him, but uh, you still do nothing when uh, uh, Andy is killed. So you don't try to save the hosts, even if you know that they can be saved even after the possession is complete. Really? Why? Explain to me this. I really am disappointed in many details about Mouse. Yeah. Yeah. So Yeah, yeah. well, I, that's why I wish, like, I think season three could have done a lot more to see, like, when she was on the road with Tomas. Exactly. You know, who she is at her heart. You know what really motivates her, what drives her. Exactly. You know what what made her even go to the nunnery to begin with. Like why? What is what is her big you know driving force? Um, right exactly. now, it seems to be like she just hates demons because of what they did to her. It sounds like a little bit of a, of yeah, a vengeance so, story, but right now is pure revenge. And how yeah. is this going to make you different from them in the long run? If your right. only moving force is revenge, what is going to keep you from derail and become even worse than the demons you are fighting? I wanted exactly. to know this. I wanted to to have more information. I wanted to see the real mouse. My my I initial mean. thoughts rewatching it and stuff is there were things I'm more invested in that the stuff between her and Bennett slowed down and took away screen time from I want to see more of the mother daughter the conflict of is she possessed or is she a product yeah. of like emotional abuse especially since yes. I kind of like you know I work with children that have had those kind of experiences which I mean I've got some stuff I'd like to talk about possibly in the writer's room but it's a bit dark and depressing but um but I was so invested in that idea and I've always absolutely been drawn to the idea of humans potentially being the bigger monster. And here we had literally like 
what a human demon looks like. Like, she didn't need the yeah. supernatural, natural yeah. demons to be an absolute monster. And whenever they cut some of the other stuff, I was like, I, I, I don't want to explore that. I'm really invested in this stuff. And therefore, some the, the pacing was off for this episode. Like, even though yeah. we had a really fast intro, the first half seemed really slow. So it was kind of like, bam, these things are happening, but kind of nothing's happening. And then you get to the second half, and you're like, ooh, this stuff is really interesting. There's crows, and there's Grace, and there's Shelby, and we're getting little snippets, and we're getting this Munchausen, like, you know, abuse situation. And I know, I don't, I don't want to see that scene. I want to go back to this thing. And so there wasn't enough time to explore the latter stuff, which I felt like, I don't know, I just felt like a little bit of the pacing and editing could have, I don't know. Different. I mean, in the end, still a great episode in the fact that every episode has wonderful, like, interesting qualities. But this one wasn't as tight as some of the other ones. Yeah. Yeah. I totally yeah, I think agree. also, I think I could just appreciate, I would just like to see more of Marcus and Tomas just because I'm obsessed with them. Like, yeah, I feel like yeah. every time it cuts away yeah, from them, I'm like, too. oh, no, my best friends are leaving again. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so well, let's let's talk about, so we've got that opening scene where, Mouse comes in like it is. I think it is the most action-packed scene of the entire episode where she murders yeah. a bunch of dudes. Like uh, I, I really, I really love the way they killed him. I, I'm again, it's the horror fan in me that just loves yeah. some little bit of yeah. blood and gore and yeah, yeah, yeah the vomiting. Absolutely. Like I, I love that they were doing a Volcari Pulveri, and then out of nowhere, you know, you not only get the 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 wafers on the tart which is is so like ingenious but the fire on top of it and you can also tell she's really sweet because she still rescues the cat the cat yes yeah. so i was sitting there go you wait wait because i'd forgotten i was like please say she takes the cat oh good she takes the cat i was very annoyed with them going comparing themselves to cats i'm like cats <laughs> are not devils i mean they can be little devils sometimes but cats are beautiful lovely creatures i love my exactly. cat like exactly a lovely little baby <laughs> And it's like, yeah. stop saying, oh, yeah, we're going to rise up and look down on things like cats do. It's like, ah, no, you are not yeah. as good as cats. You are demons. Yeah. You are lowly detritus eating yucky things that live in the dirt and decay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, but I love the imagery of it. I still love that, like, yeah. she's she's this, she comes in, like, just guns blazing, yeah. metaphorically <laughs> speaking, when we were first introduced to her. I think that's so awesome uh, that they showed her as this pretty, tough, strong woman, doesn't yeah. have to say a word, does her thing, um, and then walks out so slowly, too. And what does she say? The, the nature, she says, all nature, all nature will be renewed by fire. Yeah. I, I was curious to know, is that something that, is that biblical, or is that just something they wanted to throw out there because it just sounds cool? Is something that used to be on the Hebrew version of the Talmud, the, the the Hebrew Bible because fire mm. is seen as a, a way to purify something, even a human body. So uh, the ultimate weapon against possession is fire because you basically free the soul from the demon. Okay, you are going to oh, nice. probably you could say okay, but uh, what about the the human inside the body? Uh, well, okay. Uh, you need to make a sacrifice if you want to save a soul, right? Come on. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, yeah. That's exactly the point. Yeah, that's that's yeah. cool. I didn't, I didn't know that was a that was a quote from the Talmud. Yeah, 
yeah, it was uh, uh, fire as a way to purify is a, a very ancient tradition, and it, in the in, in the side of the of our religion, it it's taken straight from the Talmud. Then wow. it's used in the Bible too. Uh, uh, for example, when uh, uh, Cain and Abel offers their offers to God, they use fire because, of course, mm -hmm. God cannot physically take the vegetables or the meat offered to him. So you burn your offer yeah. to God and the smoke that uh, rises from your offer reaches God itself. So that's how god receives the offers through the fire yeah and, and when he, doesn't he sp and speak when, through fire he's the, he's the burning bush exactly so. and when you you have to sacrifice something even your own son to god you use fire then the angel of yeah. god stops you because you proved your loyalty to god but it's all all the interactions between humans and God is made through fire. That's that's awesome. Thanks, guy. I, I didn't think of it that much. I just thought that she was sounding like a badass. Like, oh man, like yeah. But they, of course, they have some sort of like deeper ties when they write yeah. their their dialogue for these characters. Well, let's let's talk about a little bit. Uh, we see a lot of interactions with uh, Shelby and Andy. You know, there's, there's of course, Grace in this episode. So uh, how about we spend a little time just talking about uh, their interactions, like particularly the, the Shelby praying by the lake. I thought that was just so interesting that he was going, and he's got this such such a devout, you know, feeling that he wants to fix things. Uh, what? How did that strike you in, in those scenes? And then Andy comes out and they have that discussion about uh, Nicole being by the lake. It's just, um, it's pretty heavy to me. I, it really was because uh, in in the previous previous episode uh, we see Shelby uh, really getting into his beliefs uh, into religion because he sees religion as a way to protect his family and until some point Andy is okay with that uh, he is okay having a child who really believes in something because he knows that with Shelby's history, he really know uh, he really needs something to anchor himself. But at some point, things change. Why? Well, because uh, Shelby realizes before everyone else that something is very very wrong. He realizes that there is something that is threatening his family, but. He unites the dots and he realizes something that Andy cannot accept. Andy is so wrapped into self-loathing. He blames himself for Nicole's death because he, we find out he's a psychologist. We find out he studied to recognize the symptoms of depression. So he blames himself for Nicole's death because he didn't realize she was so sick. Now uh, another option is open in front of us and it's Shelby 
who tells him, what if the, the thing that is threatening them now is also what caused Nicole's death? Exactly. So that's my question to you all. Like, what are your beliefs? I know that, you know, Slater himself never said yes or no, whether it was not the demon that, that, that ultimately took Nicole's life. But what, what are your thoughts on it? Do you, because they're, they're, they're presenting both sides of it right now. Was it, is it the demon or is it that the mental illness and the depression was, was so deep that it wasn't of supernatural nature that killed her? I always feel like it's got more evidence that it was the supernatural. Like there was something ancient and evil on this island. And also, I, I, always, I always felt like the presence on the island was female. And I don't know why. I, feel, I always feel like the voice it uses is female. I don't know why I thought it was a female like entity. So it didn't yeah. like the fact that this other mother, woman, alternate kind of like this person was on this island. And I was like, especially like if you believe it's an ancient present and something female and evil and something like a witch, then a mother, because obviously some of the, the other like um, Verity's character is too young to have come into womanhood. But another woman, and a woman who that was clearly like an artist, and also raised children, and was obviously like had her own like beliefs, kind of her positive energy, and her her mother nature nurturing energy, would have pissed off whatever spirit is living on, on the thing. And then ultimately, obviously, this presence led to killing Nicole, so it could take its place and feed off the energy of Andy and wanted him and like what he represented. I don't know. I, I always felt that there was some kind of weird wow. yeah. female presence on that island. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I never thought of it as female, but now some of the things like kind of like tying together, the fact that it took the form of a little girl, the fact that it exactly. took the form of Nicole in, in the past killings in those, in, when I'm jumping ahead a few episodes, but when they flash back, when Thomas gets the visions of the other people who died on the island, were some of those female v- villains? Were they? Uh, they. I'm just trying to think. I remember until I rewatched them. No, they. Yeah. They were the fathers. The fathers. They were the fathers. Always okay. killed the the family, but I agree with Zoe. Uh, is is a female line, and we can't forget that. Uh, the house where everything started is the house where Andy and the children are living now. And that house belonged to, um, oh God, what's her name? Nicole's family. So we can't really. Oh, really? Yeah. And it's one of the most ancient houses on the island. So we can we can connect the dots too and we can see that uh, Nicole's family came from the island and it was there for a long time. So her family was there when the demons was already killing and Grace is female. So yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a line composed by women. And we, we can see Okay, the fathers kill their families, but what is that force that can control a man and make a man kill? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a woman. 
Oh, that's so horrific. That's so horrific because like, there's something so unnatural and perverse, like I think innate in all of us to like, to think that a mother would kill their children. And, and you hear these stories, like one of the uh, Mexican Americans horror stories that we often tell our children to scare them is called La Llorona, which is, I don't know if you're familiar with that story, but the, this, it's the story of a, of a woman who essentially drowns her children because they remind her of her lost love. And so she's La Llorona, meaning the crier. So you hear her. Uh, we tell the kids, like, if you listen closely out by the river here in San Antonio, like, you'll hear her crying for her kids. Otherwise, And you also have to go to bed soon. Otherwise, she'll snatch you and try to kill you, too. But uh, but no, but going back to that whole, like, you know, there's, there's something just so innately wrong yeah. with the mother killing a child. So that makes that puts even a more yeah. horrific twist on this on this season. And I like that. Yeah, especially yeah, especially like with um with the the Harper and her mother storyline. Yeah. We're seeing like that an actual physical representation of how motherly love and a mother and who's probably gone through abuse herself yeah. um will form that like that relationship with her child and wants to save her by hurting her i mean i'll talk about it more in writer's room but it's that whole women can become very jealous of their of of female children and it's something that happens in a lot of family abuse cases it's mothers siding with sons over daughters especially in like sexual abuse cases and stuff and it's that weird female jealousy yeah that comes through so that's why i felt the presence on the island is female because it's got this jealousy it wants Andy it does it wants his you know wants Nicole out the way it wants the children out the way it wants to be the the possessing force oh man yeah yeah I love that I love that spin on it because now it just it 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 makes it even more chilling for me to watch that and I'm glad they introduced Harper's mom into this series because it really ties it all together really well yeah yeah that was a, a great character one impossible to like, one that you really want to hate. Even if she's mm-hmm. sick, you understand yeah. she's mentally ill. You understand you should understand her and see looks for help for her, but you cannot stop yourself from hating her. Because oh, of absolutely. what she does. Because I, like- yeah, no, I was just saying, like, Marcus's anger that he feels towards her, like, I loved that scene where he, you know, where he gets in her face and, well, first he grabs Harper and is like, you're pure, you're loved, and then the the mother comes in and he's so just righteously angry at her for what she's done. Like, you used, this wasn't a book for comfort, this was a damn instruction manual, and, like, you feel it too. It's like, you want to be like, how could you, as her mother... Yeah. You know, poison her in this way and you want to just like yeah, and do in bad man- things to her. <laughs> in many ways Marcus always show us his humanity and even in the moment of rage I mean he he already has enough reason to hate women for what his mother did or didn't do because we we know she never protected him from his father. But even in the moment of rage, is not about himself, is not about his memories, is not about his past, is all about Harper. 
he uh-huh. needs to protect Harper because he knows Harper is a survivor. She is yeah. strong enough to survive this mess. But in order to survive, he needs to save her life, of course. Something that right, Tomas, right. something that Tomas made very, very difficult to do. Because once again, you know, <laughs> come on. Yeah. He's so petulant. He's because so <laughs> I had a vision, and in the vision, and he definitely had a vision, but it wasn't. Yeah. A, it was of Grace, right? That yeah. was Grace. No, no, no. It was Harper, and we know that it was it, Harper. It was Harper. Yeah. yeah. In the end, we know that Harper would lead Tomas to Andy. So, in some ways, he was right, but visions are not a fucking manual. Come on. Right. (laughs) You have to understand what God is trying to show you. It's not like he (laughs) he sends you a comics and point point A you go there, point B, you do this, point C, please don't mess up. That's why it doesn't work like that. But he was so sure. I love how sure he is. Like when he's like, all right, we're going to help your daughter because of the thing that's inside of her. And Marcus is like, well, it's possibly inside her. And then Tomas looks at him like, oh, you crazy. Like he has this look like because yeah. he's so sure. And I'm like, Tomas, shut up for a minute yeah. and listen exactly. to your mentor. Like yeah, exactly. Marcus has been around the block. It drives me yeah, exactly. It drives me crazy that Tomas is like, I'm going to just do the exercise on my own and stuff. You have procedure for a reason. Marcus has been doing this a hell of a lot longer than you have. Just because you have a couple of visions and you helped save yeah. like a few people in the last six months, you're like, oh, yeah, totally. All the signs yeah. are there. And you're like, are they? Are they really there? Like, come on. Come, no, 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 <laughs> really. Uh, I think that the hammer... Oh, on his head helped to, to make his it's brain a, go strike. The fact that he survived the hammer, like it's a testament to how like hard headed he is. Yes. Any, yes. Anybody else would have died from that. He literally just got brained by it. Exactly. And he still is walking. He's walking in. He's like, ah, like comes into the hallway. But bleeding. Kind of. We see this time we see what is behind the proper exorcism, research. We see Marcus, who is used to make sure he has the whole picture before he does an exorcism, because he knows how dangerous it could be if he makes a mistake. Tomas goes and he's like, okay, I can't do it. No, wait a moment. No, I will do it. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I do. Did anybody else like heart flutter a little bit when they are like trying to test out her different language skills? And he's like, Marcus is doing Aramaic. And then he's like, he's doing something like, tell me your name. And then he's like, Tomas. And he like, petitions Tomas to also speak to her in Spanish. He's like, dime tu nombre, dime tu nombre. And I was like, oh, that's so cute. Like he's, I don't, I don't know what it was about that scene, but I really, I thought it was, no, it was, I thought it was, it was really cute. It was really cute, and it was a very important scene in this episode. Yeah, and you are like, mm, but wait a moment. When Casey was possessed, she answered Marcus in Aramaic. 
when yeah. uh, Reagan was possessed, she answered in other languages. So why isn't she answering? Is this demon yeah. shy? He doesn't want to, <laughs> to, to speak to Marcus and Tomas, or <laughs> is there something behind this whole mess? And did you notice how Harper's room is nothing like a girl her age is supposed to be? It looks like yeah. it looks like a grandmother's room. Really? I didn't yeah. notice that. Yeah. I didn't look at the decor yeah. much. Oh yeah. William Morris wallpaper, yeah. classic framing on the pictures, that twirled silver, like you know, those the kinds you have when you're older, frame photographs, really like the mahogany chest of drawers. Also all the weird low lighting and stuff. Everything was like I actually when I first watched it, I knew right yeah. away that it wasn't exactly really like, it didn't fool me for a second yeah it was it just it was all framed in a way the whole stuff like they from the minute they walk into the house and it's kind of old and a bit cluttered the woman knows a little bit too yeah. much mm. then they linger on the book and i'm like she's read the book and she's going to try and make her own like yeah. pagan oh. that's what she's trying to do but and somehow they're going to suss yeah. this out um then they do like the red herrings of like all the lights are very like low down. Yeah. So there's a bit when she's sitting on the sofa and there's really low light and the beam is coming across her, which is normally like, look, truth, symbolism, life. And you're like, yeah. no, it's too dark. Yeah. And also all the, all the, it's just too dark as oh. if someone's trying to hide something. Oh, and then yeah. you see, and then, yeah, and, and it's just like, and it's just the way she talks about it comes across like just dishonest. She was like, like it was a whole drama. It looked like she was playing a victim yeah. as opposed to whenever you saw like, like, you know, in the last series, they seemed genuinely upset that the destruction that obviously Reagan went through as a mother yeah. was so much more genuine. This woman was just like, you're playing a role here yeah. and I can tell you're yeah. acting. Yeah, that little actress and is amazing. Totally done yeah, something. How, however, they taught her to like pretend like that you are being forced to do this it was amazing because it does come across as like scripted like she's yeah she's going through the motions of this is what my mom wants me to yeah. do without really knowing and she she was phenomenal i loved i love that little actress yeah and it's yeah and it's like when they had the, the the picture she drew of course the mom could say well if you draw two priests kind of fighting a demon it could look like anybody those drawings did not like and it's like i was like thomas why are you so willing to jump on the it's a demon bandwagon yeah. where it didn't feel right there was no dust there was no dust exactly. anywhere there was no dust and there were no bugs no bugs no bugs no animals exactly. there was no but single signifier have... that real supernatural presence she did have the pea soup though we got to give that to her she yeah. vomited the green yeah. stuff yeah but that yeah but then when you vomit you tend to vomit a lot of horrible bile crap right if you're being fed those weird green movies you're gonna throw them up yeah. <laughs> yeah and too many informations are too many informations because at mm. some point yeah. uh never before we saw someone related to a possessed so openly offer the explanation to all the troubles in the house. The first thing she says to Marcus and Tomas is that she is possessed. Uh, she is impure. There is something that is uh, staining her from the inside. And those are all words 
that no one else ever used to describe mm. someone who is possessed. Reagan never used those words with Casey because she knew what it was like to feel dirty inside because, dirty. because someone yeah. touched you in the most private part of your essence. And this woman, this woman uses those hard words to describe her daughter so easily that it's clear that she is hiding something. Yeah. You really get the impression that uh, she's lying to Marcus and Tomas. And if Tomas is ready to believe her because he needs, right now he needs to believe Harper's mom because he's still in his mindset of, I can do this alone, I'm ready because God chose me. And so mm. he needs to believe that she's telling the truth. And Marcus is like, mm, yeah, tell me more about your faith and your <laughs> beliefs. No, no, please tell me more. So you read the book about the <laughs> possessed girl who more or less is uh, your daughter's age and you, what she does to make us see that she's lying to them is that she's making the whole thing about herself, not mm, about yeah. her. She's uh, focusing the attention on herself. She wants mm. Thomas and Marcus' attention. At some point, she has... Well, is, isn't that what Munchausen syndrome is all about? It's yeah, about exactly. you get validation from people bringing you like, oh, you poor thing, your daughter yes. is sick. And so you get validated by getting this attention, Yes. Uh, they, these gifts, you know, people come and they soothe you, poor baby, you know, and exactly. it's a very unhealthy way to get yeah. any kind of attention. Yeah, you need to so. be the center of attention. At some point, we almost forget that Harper is supposed to be upstairs, possessed. She is alone, forgotten. Yeah. And her mother should be with her, not trying to, right. to steal Marcus and Tomas' attention from Harper. Yeah. So, yeah. One, one random thing, just we were talking about the decor of her room is... Um, uh, my friend online who gives us all those great tidbits, I'd mentioned that there was a, um, a ballerina photo in that, in the decoration of her room, like randomly. And she's like, this may be a stretch, but could it be like a hearkening back to last season? Just like a wink, a nod, yeah. like, Oh, ballerina. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It was yeah. just like a fun, uh, there, a fun little thing. There are many, there are many homages to, to the first yeah. season. Many, many, many. And, yeah. Yeah, uh, the book, uh, the story, <laughs> and the ballerina too. Yeah, it can be. And the ballerina. And the ballerina too. So yeah, it can be. What about um, the chip scene? I just oh, okay. called the chip scene. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> uh, just the fact that when Marcus gives Tomas a choice of two chips, and Tomas is clearly like oh, tail okay. between the legs. Like, when were they ever eating yeah. chips? I was like, why they weren't eating chips in there? Crisps. Oh. Yeah, when they were eating the crisps. Oh, 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 sorry, sorry. I forgot, I forgot. Yeah, y'all call it crisps. Yes, crisps. Yes. They were, he had the crisps. Like... <laughs> 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 Hold on, check. You Americans and your wrong words for potatoes. 
Well, but whatever. He gives him a package of snacks. And I love that he's just like, Thomas reaches for one. And like, he's like, you get this other one. Like, I thought it was <laughs> like, you should be ashamed. You yeah. do not get the chips of choice. Yeah. You will have to settle yeah. for the lesser, lesser crisps. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Marcus is so charming. I just, oh, come on. I love that he's still like, oh, I he's love so it. loving yeah. on Tomas and yeah. clearly cares for him. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, that's. There's there's some some little little bits. Um, well, basically, obviously, the, the always the fangirling of Marcus <laughs> and how beautifully nurturing and kind and his gentle, loving hands. And I was like, because he's been through so much and his own like levels of abuse and stuff, he's the only one that knows how to like relate to this girl. He he recognizes abusive home problems with the mothers, and it's just the way he talks to her. Like the way he just beautifully like explains it, yeah, it's going to be really hard and it's going to get worse before it gets better, but you will come out of it. You'll come out of it stronger and you'll come out of it like, you know, healthier, but you've got you've to gotta face the darkness that has happened to you and it will take time. And I just thought that was a beautiful message just because sometimes a lot of people like when bad things happen, they'll be like, oh yeah, you'll be fine. And, it, and the fact that he admits like, you're not going to be fine. It's going to take you a while to get over this. But when you do get over it, you'll be stronger and happier for yeah. it. And he's speaking from experience. You know that it's like he's he, it, it, he's lived it and he is living that. So it makes that scene even more powerful. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, thank you, Zoe. That's, that's, that's so true. That was beautiful. Oh, the other bits I wanted to say was um, at this point, I still felt that they were coding Shelby as the one that was possessed. Mm. You know how I was saying it'd be interesting if like they use someone with the most religious background as the one that got possessed. And this one is like he's the one who's hearing those creepy voices and it's almost as if he hears it and he kind of semi believes that it is. So when he goes out into the water it's almost as if he's self-baptizing or self-exercising himself. Oh. Yeah. And I was still thinking that at this point he could potentially be the one that is, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They they're constantly throwing out these things to try to throw us off. I love that. Yeah, I was convinced it was it was Caleb, but poor Caleb. You never knew with these guys. My poor Caleb. Caleb. Yeah. Yeah, because I thought that yeah he had like you know all those like weird demons leading him out and. Like, at that time, I really thought that he was just lying. I didn't know what was happening with that whole, like, yeah. when he went and was let out until y'all explained it to me. <laughs> no. The last thing was an interesting choice of um, cinematography is the fact that when Grace agrees to go out on the porch... What have you done with it, baby? Look. Ooh, string. Ooh, string. Mm. When Grace goes out on the porch... Um, to really instill on us the idea that she's there. We see her, not from Andy's point of view, and we don't see her, but we see her reflection in the mirror, in the the door. And because we see her reflection, we're like, well, she's got to definitely be there because she wouldn't have a a reflection if... Yeah, but at that point, I didn't even, I didn't even, never questioned her existence. I was never like, is she, isn't she? Like, I was like, that's just a child, you know, that he's playing with and... Yeah. They've coded it yeah. so it well. well. She just oh sees that, but then knowing that she's not there, when you see her reflection, you're kind of like, 
wait a minute, this is a bit weird that we're seeing her as a reflection and not a real person existing out in yeah. the real world. But so, yeah. I think I love that show. this episode is also the one that mm, tells us without words that Grace is basically a metaphor for possession. Because uh, I will explain my opinion in the writing room, but I wanted to point out just another little details that is not related to Grace and the island. We finally found out what the conspiracy is really doing. The conspiracy is not killing yes. the exorcists. They are integrating them because they are the strongest warriors for this war. So if you cannot change their mind, you possess them and make them your warriors. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I really did like that scene with Dolores yeah. where you where she's all disheveled and you know hunched over and you turn around and you see her like cool double eye thing happening. I was like, oh man. I mean that's sad for the exorcist, but that looks so cool. <laughs> Absolutely cool. Well, awesome, awesome. Should, should, should we jump in then to our writers? I'm really excited to hear about all things crows. and. I can start with two things. Uh, they are related. So um, we see Grace coming out for the first time, but something happened, a flock or crows going crazy, and uh, she and Andy are forced to run back inside for cover. Okay, so right now we know that Grace is in truth a metaphor for possession. The demon possessing you wants, wants to stay inside and hidden, exactly like Grace. Grace doesn't want to come out yet because she knows that she's not strong enough. Her grasp over Andy is not yet strong enough. So she wants to stay inside and festering gaining power over Andy, and then she will be free to show herself. More or less is what possession really is. The demon hides inside you and waits for the moment he's strong enough to show his face. And at that point, it's too late, more or less, because when someone else can see the demon, it means that usually you are gone already. So. Grace is really used as a beautiful way to explain another way to explain possession. The crowds. The crowds are very dual and complicated creatures. Uh, a whole mythology is born around them. In every culture, they have a double nature. For example, uh, it's said in the uh, Hebrew Talmud that the first bird that Noah sends from the ark looking for land is a crow, a white crow that is turned black because it doesn't come back. Yes, so. At that point, the crown becomes the metaphor for the devil because 
it's supposed to eat the brain and the eyes of corpse. And of course, we know crows eat spoiled flesh. So it's a metaphor to describe the, the devil himself because he blinds humanity with false promises. He takes our brain from us because he makes us believe his lies and uh, he loves corruption at what is more corrupted than rotting flesh. But in every culture, the duality of crowns are explained with them being messengers. So Noah sends the crow that it doesn't come back, and so it's punished because of this. In, uh, in the Greek culture, uh, the crow is a messenger for Apollo. What happens? He was white too. But Apollo sends this bird to look over one of his lovers. The bird comes back and he tells Apollo that his lover was unfaithful. Apollo gets mad, kills the crow, and the crow turns black. But he's still a messenger. In, uh, in the Norse mythology, Odin has two um crows who are his eyes and ears they are his messengers and they connect odin with the other nine realms that exist in norse mythology so uh, a crow can be very bad or neutral and look what happened when the flock of crowns come straight from the place where nicole committed suicide, and it's the same place where Shelby is trying to purify the water to erase the evil that uh, caused Nicole's death and is causing all the troubles for his family. So even here, they are messengers, but of what? We don't know. We still don't know. It could be it even could be that Shelby's prayer made them go crazy, but it's more possible that in truth it was grace presence outside that made them say, mm, you know what, this is not good because if she's coming out already, it means that she's more or less ready to show her true nature. Oh, wow. Okay, that's amazing. Yeah, it's like I'll add to that that obviously in like in Asian mythology, crows again like because I mean there's carrion crows obviously with the flesh, but they're always around areas with high spiritual areas. And in Japanese like mythology, especially if you go to Japan, you go to some of the like highly spiritual areas in like Kyoto and stuff. All the crows are just—it's really weird. All the crows are just sitting, like. On, in the trees as you go cool. to the temples and stuff and they're all yeah. watching you but you'll notice in a lot of anime that crows are either kind of messengers for demons yeah. and stuff and always act as spies for like demons and also crows have a tendency to get possessed quite easily so because I think they're quite like I, I don't know what it is about the crows because they're so so susceptible to spiritual things like to be around death and stuff demons and spirits and things 
will use them as messengers and spies and ways to possess and, and so they can move around and follow their human Oh, targets. And they're so scary looking too. I mean, they've got those big black beady eyes and the yeah. big beak yeah. and they're just creepy all, all around. And in the first season, isn't, yeah. didn't the crow smash through the window yes. in the very first exactly. episode? Yep. And it stains yep. with its blood, cool. the, the Holy Bible under the windows. So yeah, yeah, yeah. they are, they are never yeah. good thing they um, they never bring good news let's say this yeah they never bring good news yeah i do i do feel like they also were doing a bit of an homage to the birds yeah you know the yeah, yeah the absolutely hitch, yeah. little hitch thing yeah absolutely uh sweet to have all like digitally done it looked really awesome we are on an island and the house is attacked by a flock of birds yeah yeah <laughs> i think yeah. your homage is clear well, thank you. That was that was really in depth, Gaia. That that explained a lot and 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 made it even more uh, expanding the the different ties, the writing ties that that they always seem to make. That's amazing. Thank you. Um, I just kind of wanted to talk about some of the, the themes they're using for this season, just because it's themes that speak to me as someone who kind of works in an environment of special needs, someone who has like you know learning difficulties and you know and works and how much how well they treat it in this series and i mean i'll talk about it more depending on as each character comes up and their particular like things but it's definitely it's doing the whole special needs as the spectrum because everyone thinks of special needs as things they either like you're in a wheelchair you've got down syndrome you might have autism but it also includes all the learning difficulties like dyslexia and dyspraxia but it also includes all the behavioral things and people don't realize that you can someone who is not always born with a learning difficulty and special needs but sometimes through like very bad parentings and being brought up in abusive things it gives them behavioral problems and things called which is attachment issues once you've got an attachment issue um you've you've missed out on certain nurturing factors at a young age and therefore your brain has not developed these little synapses and mechanisms to cope with things further down the line and so you're you're just and it's like and the whole harper and her mum thing just like it really like resonates with the thing of like the fact that this mother she's probably come because you notice that there's no father and there's no father so you can read a lot into why she's an abusive mother that whole like as a single mother she's probably really desperate to make sure her child always says reliant on her so it's like it's purposely giving her illnesses and to make sure that the child always thinks, oh, I've got all these problems, but mummy will look after me and mummy will like, you know, so foster that that really like horrible, like codependent relationship. So she's also, she's fostering that and she's purposely making it ill. She also likes the spectacle of not only like it's about me, but when she goes to the hospital and stuff and she's like, oh no, my poor daughter. And they're like, oh, you're such a good mum. Look at you trying to cope with your poor sickly child but at the same time an absence of a father could also be like what was that fatherly relationship is she also jealous of the child because a lot of women are jealous of like their female children when they've come from their own histories of abuse and stuff and therefore take it out on the child all the discomforts of like my husband the man i love left me and it must be your fault Therefore, I'm going to punish you for it. So there's, there's lots of different reasons why the mum could have done this. None of it makes it okay. It all makes it pretty awful. But it's just like, 
it just it's just I mean it's such a horrific thing but it's, it's exposing things that like happen I've got a couple of kids from similar backgrounds that I work with and it's that whole insidious like nurturing environment that nurtures them and it all ties into the fact that for a lot of time people thought people with disabilities and mental health issues were possessed so if you go back to like really oh and this is showing us an example of why people thought people with mental illness disabilities learning difficulties could have been possessed because a lot of the time it's actually those things and and it's even more awful because it's it's fostering real it's real human evil fostering a thing that looks like demonic possession and it's just like it's those ideas of how cruel are humans that they can fake the yeah. devil's work and and the and the very real risk that could happen and, and marcus addresses it is like if we were to actually go through with this it would validate this fantasy and it could lead her to self-harm you know she really thinks that she has a demon inside yeah. her she could hurt herself and in the worst case scenario take her own life um yeah and and that's something that so, yeah, yeah mental really when it comes to mental illness yeah. that's why i think we need to have these conversations you know remove the stigma of 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 these kinds of things because it it needs to be treated the way we treat a broken arm you know Ooh, when you go to a doctor you go and you get medicine and you treat it uh but anything like this if it's unchecked can lead to very real physical hurt so uh again yeah the, these themes that they explore are so deep and so critical to to what it means to be a healthy living person and a good person um which again makes me so pissed off that they took it away from us like this this show had such I a know. message to get absolutely i'm still livid i can't but yeah because it opens this series really opens some wonderful like explorations of things like just so many like yeah disabilities like how often does the show really tackle like just living with learning difficulties and autism but in a way that yeah these kids aren't bad or different it's yeah, yeah. and that yeah well, Zoe, thank you for that perspective. That was really eye-opening, too. Appreciate it. <laughs> well, uh, anything else before? Because I have a few fun facts. Again, not at all. I wish I could find these. This is all Eyed. She's amazing. She finds all this cool stuff and just sends it to me um, on Twitter. So, like, one of the things she mentioned is that uh, the director is Ty West, who is apparently a pretty prominent, like, horror director. He did... House of the Devil, The Innkeepers. I was like, oh, that's why it has that like eerie feel to it. I mean, they all have an eerie feel to it, but you can tell like different episodes have a have a different kind of touch and a different flavor. And I did, I, I did enjoy the flavor of this episode. Uh, like even the shots, like when he would do the the shot that went up the staircase in the house, with, which had all the crucifixes on the wall. I thought that was just a really cool angle. Ooh, yeah, that was another yeah. dead giveaway that something wasn't quite right because there were so many crucifixes to the point of yeah. obsession. Yes, and you're like. That's, yes. Yeah. Um, writer. The main writing credit went to Manny Cotto, who did a lot of work for Dexter. I don't know if you ever watched Dexter. Yep. Um, Odyssey yeah. Five. I think it's. I, I would just love to get in the head of a writer one of these days to just be like, how do you like even start creating these? I know a lot of it's like brainstorming um, in these sessions and these kind of horror TV shows, but I'd love to talk to a horror TV show writer to just see like how do you you know kind of delve into a whole episode to bring the pieces together and. Um, Manny Cotto's a person I'd love to talk to. So Manny Cotto, if you're listening, <laughs> hit us up. <laughs> uh, oh, apparently, another fun fact, that where Dolores is, where she's chained up, 
you can see the Saint Saint Benedict's cross underneath her feet. The the exorcism, you know, Saint Benedict cross. Well, that was pretty smart. Yeah, I didn't even notice that. So maybe that's when the prop people were creating something like, how would you trap a demon? Like there's obviously circles. That's a big thing you see a lot in lore. You know, keep them encased in salt or fire, but also use the Benedict cross. That was pretty sweet. Okay, I do have a shout out to one exorcist fandom person on Twitter because they're always like tweeting the petition and the petition is still going around. I'm like glad it's gone up to a few thousand signatures. Um, but at book reader, 1987, uh, the name is Aaron V and initially, I don't sure if they initially created the petition or just shared it a lot, but I was like, I, it's always nice, nice to see the hope still alive. Like people are still fighting for it. Although understandably now it's a little bit less likely, uh, with a few people who have asked recently, um, Slater online, like, is it ever going to happen? He basically said, no, it's not going to happen uh, for any kind of renewal, which is like crushing, but I'm still going to hold out hope. Maybe somebody like. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they'll eventually just give it a movie. A two hour. Ever shows yeah, we've got movie a final. movie final. Just, so just come back and make us the final. Yeah, I'd, I'd read the comic book. I would. <laughs> yeah, somebody. Um, like the small, yeah, got a small glimmer books. of hope. Cause I would like, I was like, ah, I added Shutter. I was like, "At Shutter, you need to renew this," and they liked it. So I was like, "Oh, maybe they'll take it." They liked it. <laughs> they liked the tweet. So that means they'll do something. Yeah, gonna have some hope. Thank you for listening, everybody, again to to us fan fan out for this amazing show. And until next time, we need like a tagline, like like hashtag uh, push back the dark. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> until then, yeah. <laughs> push back that darkness, y'all. Peace and love. <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye.